0: Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast with me, Jason Dean, in partnership with Luno Wallet and Exchange and Siberian Mine. Here we talk about all things Bitcoin and all things financial and try and make some sense of them. So, if you'd like to get in touch with me, then I'll give you some contact details at the end of this podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, just leave a comment below. Now, I appreciate it has been several weeks since the last podcast, and I'm really sorry about this. It has been been a crazy time with Elon Musk tweeting randomly, China having a meltdown with bitcoin miners which we'll talk about today, bitcoin price going all over the place and all sorts of other crazy stuff that's going on at the same time. So as you can imagine, there have been a lot of people wanting some commentary, interviews and the like which has been super fun to do. Always enjoy talking to the media about bitcoin. Actually, I just like talking about Bitcoin, but it hasn't left me with much time to sit and talk into a microphone calmly, but I'm going to do that today. But before we get stuck into today's extremely topical question, I just want to acknowledge Luno's support in helping make this podcast possible. Luno is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 7 million customers. There was only 5 million when I started talking about them last year, and that's over 40 different countries. And it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter, Medium or LinkedIn that I've been recommending Luno for a pretty long time. And I love recommending LUNO for people who might be new to the world of cryptocurrency because it's very pretty, it's very intuitive, and it's an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin, and actually other cryptos as well, such as Litecoin, XRP, Ethereum and so on. Even better, Crypto Compares Exchange benchmark report that came out on the 16th of February this year confirmed LUNO as one of the only six AA rated exchanges in the world. That's the very top score. So if you haven't use luno or even bitcoin before simply go to luno.com for the details or download the app that's l-u-n-o on your android or apple device and if you do that and you're over 18 and based in the uk or in europe and this is your first experience with luno i'm going to give you 10 pounds of bitcoin courtesy of luno absolutely free to get you started on the app And the way I'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast, which will credit your account instantly when you enter it make sure you qualify by checking the t's and c's but remember it is a gift the app is free there are no monthly charges there are no obligations to buy anything else it's part of a campaign by luna to introduce new people to bitcoin and the idea is to get around that initial hurdle we all have about using bitcoin for the first time you know when you're a bit paranoid about doing something wrong and losing your money so luna gives you this little bit of bitcoin so you can experiment with confidence before you commit your own funds if you ever decide to do that so you you can keep it move it to the savings account to get interest try and exchange it for another currency whatever you want to do it's yours Now, secondly, as many of you know, I'm a veteran Bitcoin miner with an operation that runs entirely on excess renewable energy, which has the added advantage of being very cheap based over in Siberia. Now, I've been doing a lot of podcasts and interviews about Bitcoin and the environment recently, and people have been asking me how to get into sustainable Bitcoin mining because it all seems so complicated when you first look at it. But actually it's very, very easy to reap the rewards of mining these days, and of course, it's very profitable at the moment. And I'm pleased to say that in partnership with Siberian Mine, I am now able to offer a very attractive referral arrangement that you can take advantage of here and now if you want. And the really cool thing is that they're doing a split ownership system of mining equipment at the moment, which is designed that you can test out mining and actually be a Bitcoin miner for a very, very small amount of money, just to understand how it all works and actually if you register using the link in the program notes you'll get 45 euros added to your account at the start which is actually not far off getting you started on one of these little test partial ownership machines the link and details are in the program notes all you have to do is sign up for an account to start with which is where the link will take you and you can spend some time getting to know the setup before you jump in but in the meantime, let's deal with something that is very topical right now, but I suspect will remain relevant for quite some time. What is going on in China? Why has that affected the price? What are the long-term implications? What are the short-term implications? Is it all over for Bitcoin again? Or is it something more important than any of us think? Well, I had to spend quite a lot of time researching this one. There's a lot going on, but I'm pretty confident in the end, we've got some good answers to these questions for you. So let's get stuck in. So I've decided to call this episode why China's latest Bitcoin mining clampdowns are a gamble because I think this really is a massive gamble for reasons we'll go through because it does seem that this time and I say this time China really has banned Bitcoin or at least that's the conclusion that most of the media has come to but as I mentioned at the start is this really accurate and what does it mean for the future of Bitcoin Uh, does it have anything to do with the recent price drop is china doing something really smart here or or is it in fact the exact opposite. And of course, as a long-time Bitcoin user, um, analyst, large-scale miner and environmentalist, it seems I'm well-placed to comment on the unfolding events, at least according to the number of DMs I've been receiving on this subject. So, as requested, here's my take on it, even if we don't yet have all the facts in at this point. However, I think we've got enough to extrapolate the most likely outcomes, and they do make quite fascinating analysis. I think we'd better go back a bit first, though, because China has always been going on about banning Bitcoin and all associated activities for some years. Sometimes putting something in place, then sometimes amending it, and sometimes even seemingly backtracking temporarily on some of the stuff is put in place. But I think it's safe to say that none of these moves would ever be construed as pro-Bitcoin even as far back as 2013 china made statements concerning the anonymity borderless and unregulated nature of bitcoin telling domestic financial and payment institutions not to carry out bitcoin related activities that's how it starts remember this is just a few years after bitcoin launched then in 2017 china was pretty clear on what it thought about cryptocurrency exchanges as well effectively shutting them down overnight where they were located anywhere on chinese territory now at the Systems didn't lose their money they were able to withdraw it but the shutdown was pretty complete and a significant portion of the world's Bitcoin trading was pretty much wiped out immediately and that contributed in part to the crypto winter that followed. Then fast forward to June 2019 when the People's Bank of China issued a statement saying it would block access to all domestic and foreign cryptocurrency exchanges as well as initial coin offering ICO websites aiming to clamp down on all remaining cryptocurrency trading. Now that same statement also went on to say that virtual currencies are not supported by real value in quotation marks their prices are easily manipulated and trading contracts are not protected by Chinese law and this all echoed the sentiments first published back in the 2013 decree Now, the three central councils of China which are involved here are the National Internet Finance Association of China, the China Banking Association and the Payment and Clearing Association of China. And they all issued this statement and all supported it unanimously. So I think it's safe to say that life has never been easy if you're a Bitcoiner in China. But here's the interesting thing, China's position as a power player in the world of cryptocurrency has always, and this is just my view, been significantly overstated. Of course, that hasn't stopped it sending ripples or even tsunamis going through the global markets every time it makes a new announcement. But that perceived power came from the sheer amount of hash rate that has been traditionally produced by Chinese mining farms supporting the Bitcoin network. And that is estimated to be anywhere between 50% and even as high as 70% of the global output. I even saw one report that said 75%, but that does seem a little on the high side to me. So, of course, naturally, people worried about whether China would try and hijack the network or if they tried to ban mining. But the thing is, the former of these is basically impossible and the latter, as we'll see shortly, is entirely irrelevant. But of course, perception is often more powerful than reality and markets often move more on belief than on fact. It's simply the way it works because we humans, well, we're a bit fickle about this sort of thing. And of course, at first glance, when you read the rules that China have sent out, they do appear to be a complete blanket ban. But in fact, that's not exactly what it says. As always, with a Chinese edict, you need to look at the detail and how it's presented. And it does seem that there are two main aspects to this and the practical implications are actually slightly obscured by the objective set by those central authorities. So in theory, this means there's probably some room for interpretation. Now, that assumes, of course, that you're brave enough to engage with the Chinese authorities, because if you get it wrong, these guys have a reputation for being, well, a little harsh. So those two aspects that they talk about boil down to concerns about financial risk, That's one of them and power consumption, which is the second one, which, you know, at least on the surface are very admirable goals and certainly they've been spun that way by the parties. Now, the first of these, this one about financial risk, does appear to be the main catch-all phrase that drives the assault on all things crypto within the Chinese borders. And the second one, the one about power consumption, is simply a mechanism to go directly after Bitcoin miners. And the wording makes it clear, because the minutes of the recent meeting of yet another official body, which is the China Financial Stability Board, read as follows, and I quote... We resolutely prevent and control financial risk. We shall crack down mining and crypto trading activities in order to prevent individual risks from being spread to the social level. Now, this simple line has it all and probably is the driving force behind all the moves being made. And those moves, remember, came very quickly. So on May the 18th, Beijing announced rules that directly prohibited financial institutions and payment companies from providing services related to digital currencies. And that was using the the financial stability argument. On the 25th, it went after mining and trading operations using the energy argument. So China appears to be disassociating itself from any involvement with non-sovereign digital currencies. And why would it do that? And this is really the crux of the matter. Well, let's not forget that China is busy promoting its own digital one, having ironically fully embraced the very same blockchain technology that sits behind Bitcoin. So Beijing sees this as a powerful tool to track the spending of its citizens and perhaps even a challenger to the US dollar status as the world's reserve currency. Now that would be quite a thing and it's quite an ambitious goal. Now the trouble is Bitcoin offers a real solid alternative to state monitoring and there's a good chance on that basis that citizens will use it if they're able. So Bitcoin is a problem for the Chinese authorities. In short, it really needs to go away. Now, if we go back to power consumption, first of all, and look at how this has affected things, uh, we can get an idea of what's going on here. See, China has really a kind of pseudo-federal system, meaning that its provinces have some degree of autonomy. So in April this year, for example, China's inner Mongolia province completely outlawed Bitcoin mining, effectively starting the process of forced relocation of miners in that area. They were just slightly ahead, really, of what was coming from the central authorities. Now, it's possible they they may have known this or they've been ordered to do it. We don't really know. Um, But they they made this announcement before the, the central party did. But the argument with power particularly in china is actually quite complex you see china's power grid its objectives and its narrative have always appeared confusing to the outside world and actually the grid uses a wide mix of fuel types now they do acknowledge they are one of the world's biggest co2 producers and have engaged heavily in the production of new solar generation plants over the last few years presumably as a way to kind of get around this image a bit. In fact, it is currently the world leader in new solar installations. So according to our World in Data, China increased its solar capacity by 115 terawatt hours, which is enough to power the Netherlands for an entire year in just one 12-month period. And the year prior, it actually increased it by another 145 terawatt hours. So this is pretty impressive, and it's actually very typical of the Chinese, because when something needs doing, it just gets done efficiently. And quickly. Now, not only this, there is also significant hydroelectric output right across China's enormous landmass. So, there is quite a lot going on in terms of renewables. But at the same time, China is also building new coal-fired plants at an astonishing rate, which completely goes against global trends. So, at best, this is a very confusing message. So, it's true that some Chinese miners do use dirty power. But it's just as true that they primarily use hydropower in the wet season, which normally runs between May and October each year. Now often these hydro stations produce far more power than is required in the regions they serve, and that creates this glut of wasted energy. Now it's this excess that has been eagerly hoovered up by power-hungry mining operations to the benefit of all, at least so far, but now no longer. Because using those power concerns as a driver, this is no longer possible. Now, getting access to power, at least on a small scale, isn't actually expressly forbidden, but it's the main narrative being offered up. The reality is that the second part of the decree really holds the real teeth. And this is the part about financial risk. Now, sometimes I can't help but think of the Chinese society like the Borg from Star Trek. Now, before I get arrested by whichever department of political correctness deals with comparing entire societies with fictional space-faring races, I think I'd better clarify my statement. Now, this is all about society as a whole, or in this sense, if we're using that Star Trek analogy, the collective. Now, China has been accused on numerous occasions of being pretty brutal with individuals, but it is extraordinarily protective of the society and way of life as a whole its well-being takes priority over everything including and arguably especially the individual now this is an important point because it gives context to the wording from the minutes that we were talking about earlier especially that last line which i'll remind you of now that line read to prevent individual risks from being spread to the social level So, this is all about the state disallowing any activity that could ultimately create problems for the society as a whole, like trying to prevent contagion. In this case, that's diverting power, capital and infrastructure to something that is not considered to be in keeping with society, or more likely the plans of the central authorities. However, what's interesting is that the Chinese authorities do appear to allow individual citizens to take any risk they like as long as, broadly speaking, it affects literally no one else. Now, this seems to include Bitcoin since the wording of the 2013 decree, which still appears to hold true, is as follows, and I'm quoting again, Bitcoin trade As an online purchase and sale activity, the general public has the freedom to take part in at their own risk. So in other words, what this is saying is don't come running and crying to the state if you lose your money. To be honest, it's probably best not to mention it at all. But this could also apply to mining, at least according to Zhang Zua, founder and CEO of MiningPoolBTC.top. Now, my apologies to Zhang if I haven't said his name right, but I have given it my best go. But it's J-I-A-N-G-Z-H-U-O-E-R. And you can look him up on Twitter and I recommend you do because in a recent thread, he explained that small home miners are not the target here since they can operate through simple equipment that they themselves risk buying and running and that won't have any impact to society as a whole. But... A data center, which is what the Chinese tend to call mining farms, is a completely different issue. Now that requires capital, it requires power, and it requires infrastructure that can be used better elsewhere for the good of society as a whole. Therefore, under these new directions, it has to go. And that process has already started. Now, people are understandably reluctant to go against the all-powerful Chinese authorities, so things started to happen very quickly. Huobi, one of the world's largest crypto exchanges, issued a statement pretty much immediately on the 23rd of May saying that it was suspending crypto mining hosting services and the sale of crypto mining machines in China. In fact Huobi's pool hash rate has already dropped from 11.73 hash on the day of the announcement down to 6.24 at the time I'm recording this. The reality is it's unlikely to recover unless something else changes in the meantime. Meanwhile, BTC.top, which also directly owns a number of mining operations but is mainly a mining pool, also announced a withdrawal from Chinese operations, citing rather vaguely regulatory concerns. And mine operator Hashcow also indicated it will suspend new business in China and stop purchasing mining rigs, which is a report that came from Reuters. So this period of transition is already underway in just a few days. China starts dismantling its mining infrastructure. It is effectively at the same time handing its power, whether that's perceived power or real power, to the rest of the world in terms of Bitcoin. And global hash rate as a result has already fallen. On chain analytics show that wallets associated with Chinese miners have been offloading coins on the open market, presumably liquidating out of fear or because they need to finance relocation activities. This, of course, has added to the selling pressure by providing extra supply in the market. And also, usually at the end of May, we'd see a jump in hash rate as that great exodus from coal burning to hydro completes. They literally transport these mining farms from one location to another. But that hasn't happened either this year, although the weather itself has not really helped because there are reports and it's been a little warmer and less rain than usual. So instead, hash rate is currently sitting at a level last seen in January 2021, which we forget, of course, is only four months ago. Now, there have also been anecdotal reports of miners reaching out to find hosting facilities in Russia, Africa, Iran, the US and Kazakhstan. And that list is probably not exhaustive. That's just the people I've been able to find out really by asking around. The bottom line is that the exodus of mining from China is now happening. So what is the long-term impact on Bitcoin likely to be? Well, there's one easy short answer here, and I can put that very neatly summarized in one single word, and that is nothing. You see, Bitcoin is truly global. And it is, despite its distractors inaccurate claims, highly decentralized. Now, as far as Bitcoin is concerned, it is entirely irrelevant whether you're involved in it or how much hash power is supporting it above a certain level. And we're way above that certain level, by the way. The coding is such that even a change of this scale, albeit temporarily, will be compensated for via the algorithm and block times will not change. Security will not be compromised. The correct amount of Bitcoin will be produced exactly as the algorithm stipulates. Literally, nothing will change. But of course, that doesn't stop the markets freaking out because, well, China is banning Bitcoin. Now, I would argue that the correct point of view is more that China is trying to remove itself from the Bitcoin network. Bitcoin itself, as we've seen, really couldn't care less one way or the other. Even the great and powerful nation of China can't actually stop it permeating its borders, although they are arguably one of the few nations on the planet who might actually come reasonably close. So what does this actually achieve? for one of the most powerful nations on the planet? Well, it clears the way for its own digital currency. It forces its people to accept the payment systems dictated by the ruling parties with all the benefits in terms of surveillance and financial controls it brings. Obviously not for the people, this is for the ruling parties. Perhaps with Bitcoin out the way, it would even give it a shot of becoming the next reserve currency, something the Chinese authorities absolutely relish the idea of. Now, in reality, if that is their end game, then there is no choice. This is the logical conclusion, the logical route to take china cannot be seen to support any competing currency within its borders and certainly not one that isn't under their direct control being seen to be in total control of the economy is absolutely paramount but at the same time i think this is a really big gamble because if bitcoin's adoption continues at its current rate by individuals by institutions by payment systems by anything else you can think of, there is at least a chance that some of the more disruptive developments can occur further down the road. So, for example, it would only take one sovereign state to formally declare Bitcoin as part of its reserve assets and the floodgates would absolutely open. No nation could afford to be left behind once that race begins countries would then compete to acquire as much of the asset as possible, almost certainly beginning hash wars that I've talked about in the past before. In other words, each country will try and get as much hash power as they possibly can to effectively mine this asset and add it to their uh, national reserves. And of course, this would then be a disaster scenario for China, having willingly moved from a position of hash dominance to what will almost certainly be a tiny global contribution Uh, from these little home miners, if anything at all, even if they're allowed to continue. Now, the real kind of extra salt in the wound here, I suppose, is the fact that they would have actually provided their competitors with all the equipment they need to do it, since most of the globally dominant Chinese manufacturers will be forced to sell only abroad as a result of these same regulations. Or, of course, they might just simply relocate entirely. But in either case, china would be left behind now their actions indicate that they really don't believe this for a moment they are literally betting the farm on the success of their own digital currency like some vast international poker game and it really is quite the bet it's the equivalent of going all in before the flop has even been dealt now, if you've never played Texas Holden Poker, that probably doesn't make much sense, but basically it's a pretty early stage of the game. So, while the rest of us stand around the table and gasp at the sheer confidence of these people and wonder if we've missed anything because of it, there's only one thing we can say that we know for certain. It's going to be a hell of a game. Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast please message me on twitter at jason a dean or if you'd like to know more on the subject of bitcoin and finance in general then join me on medium at jasondean.medium.com forward slash you can also get hold of me through some other contact details in the program notes below including my mailing list now don't forget the e at the end of dean when you're typing that in if you're trying to get hold of me or you will not find me now at the beginning start of this i promised you 10 pounds worth of bitcoin and here are the details you need so all you have to do is open your newly installed luno app and type in the code i'm about to give you so remember if you are an existing customer or you've been using luno for a while you won't be able to claim this this is designed for people who are just getting started and are maybe not quite sure yet just want a little bit of money to play with and learn how to use it now, you have to verify your new account first, which is quite easy to do through the app because LUNO, as you would expect, complies with anti-money laundering regulations. So that's something you have to do like you do on all financial apps these days. Now, you do that by going to profile settings verification and it's the usual mugshot and ID and it's processed normally within a couple of minutes. Now, I'd also suggest you agree to marketing, uh, at least in the beginning anyway, as LUNO will give you the option to attend one of their free webinars it might even be one that i'm doing and at these events you can learn all about bitcoin and you can ask any questions directly as every session actually includes an open ama which is ask me anything section at the end and sometimes these can go for quite a long time but it's great to get so many questions and and answer them Anyway, once you've done your verification, and of course you only have to do it once, uh, you go to the section called Rewards at the bottom of the screen. Press the Enter a Code button and type in the following: P D U K two two X. That's Papa Delta Uniform Kilo two two X Ray, and that's it. Your ten pounds in Bitcoin will be credited instantly. If you're in Europe, it'll be the equivalent of ten pounds in your local currency now you can use that just to play with the app and explore it but of course you can buy more bitcoin easily once you're set up and and want to go from there don't forget you can now earn four percent on your crypto by moving it to the savings wallet built into the app which is of course about four percent more than you can get in the bank right now in fact you can earn up to 7.6 percent currently on usdc now t's and c's apply when saving and you should check those out before you first transfer over anyway i'll leave that with you and i'll see you next time on the bitcoin and global finance podcast